Hello, everyone. This is Michael McNair, and welcome to Exalt Innovation Studios. I'm your host, and I wanted to start off this first series off the right way with a bunch of logistics, goals, outcomes that we'll be going throughout this entire season. Now, first, I wanted to start out with a small description of Exalt Innovator Studios, EIS. What we're here to do is encourage, inform, and educate new believers, old believers, and shine light on problems in the body of Christ. I want to add solutions, insights, and give my testimony and other testimonies of the sovereignty that our God and Lord Jesus Christ has done in our life. Now, the role here isn't only to speak about problems, but it's also to speak about solutions, things, glory, the glory of our Lord. Now, I first want to start off this new series called New Creation in Christ, Episode 1, with a prayer. So I want, to, I want you to bow our heads now and just so that we can pray. Lord, I give you all of the glory. Allow us during this time to speak through your wisdom. Give us the mind of Christ in order to speak out the things in which you want us to. I pray for every listener right now that is listening. I pray over our nation that we are going through difficult times during this year and last year. I pray for healing of the nation, Lord God, and give you all of the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So some of you might know my older podcast that I had called Empower. Now, I started that back in 2017, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that, but I want to break down some of this uh, new structure first. So understand that each series, we're going to have multiple episodes. We're going to start off with NCIC, which is New Creation in Christ, and that will be our first episode. This will be our first episode. Then we are kicking off Discipleship series, and we'll have, which we'll have a guest on, which I'll talk about later on. You will also be able to find all of our episodes and podcasts under Exalt Innovation Studios, E-I-S. You're going to hear a lot of acronyms. You're going to hear a lot of different things dealing with language, but that's okay. You guys know me. The people that are listening know who I am. You know how hectic I can be. So, you know, this will be a good time for me to explain literally what E-I-S is. So Exalt Innovation Studios will produce podcast series, animation and films, books and comics. The past few years have been a transformational period for me. We are not conformed, but transformed by the renewing of our mind. Right? That's what Paul said in Romans. I am so grateful that God has granted me this gift of being able to work on some of the things that I'll be sharing with you. There is much to speak about and to get together on this first episode. I want to make sure that you understand moving forward and welcome to our new series. So this is going to be a bit different than my other series and some of my other episodes that I've had. Um, We are going to be breaking down a lot, but this is some of the logistics. So I'm still the founder and head research at 55B Labs, which was uh, my for-profit company that I started a few years ago, which we focused on research technology and data analytics, app building, even quantum research. I worked on a lot of different projects in different areas in the world, in the secular world. Now, I'll get to more of this, and then we think about, since COVID, I've been working on transitioning a lot of things. That is why I wanted to come out with this first episode in series. I'm sure everyone has had switches and changes in their life, updates and life things occur in the past 24 months. 
Well, I'm right there with you. So EIS sits above that now. Sits above 55B Labs and all the app building that I've been doing. And I'm blessed the Lord has shifted some course for me. I first and foremost want to thank God for giving me this opportunity to share time with you. This is going to be a new and exciting journey. And I want everyone to make sure that this episode really does talk a bit about my background, my history, um, ups and downs that I went through as a new creature in Christ. A lot of us are changing. A lot of us are, are, are becoming new people in this new day and age. And I just wanted to, I wanted a full episode just to speak about those changes and how from a system, from a time, from not just analytically, but spiritually, emotionally, how I've changed. Now, we will be hosting things on Clubhouse. Um, I, you know, we will be hosting things on YouTube um, as well. You're going to find some of the snippets, some of the clippets on, you know, things like Instagram and Facebook and all of our so Spotify. You'll see this at as well. So I wanted to make sure that I had time to just explain to you. Now, that's some of the logistics. Uh, a lot of these podcasts are for multidimensional thinkers. We're going to be thinking, you know, not just analytically or systematically, but also spiritually, emotionally, connecting the brain, the heart, connecting our even our even what we like to say, uh, our stomachs, our guts, and and really just really get down to us as a Christian believer, us as a body of Christ, those that are, you know, possibly questioning their faith or are um, look searching for something. Um, I want to answer some of your questions here and, and be able to connect with you as well. Now, think about the Christian entrepreneur. Think about the creative. And uh, we're going to be doing a, very, a various amount of different series throughout this time. Some of the goals, to inform new believers in Christ and give them a chance to share information, solutions, and surrounding problems in the body of Christ. Biggest thing I want to do on this podcast is preach the gospel, making sure that people understand, um, you know, the, the greatness of our God. Expand the minds of young disciples, missionaries, Christian entrepreneurs, and others that want to be involved as well. I want to be an educational resource and support. There's been a spiritual drain in the U.S. over the past couple of years as it pertains to loss of jobs, sickness, family deaths, misconceptions, and hate that has infiltrated our lives. This podcast, I want to identify and understand what is going on and shine light on some of those things that are, are really, you know, heart, they're, they're, they're disheartening to us. Sometimes as a Christian, we focus so much on ourselves and our relationship with Christ, which is very, very important. But we must remember that we are the light in this world. And I think about this as, uh, an, <laughs> as an airplane analogy. Um, before putting on our mask of our child, you must put on yours first. So I understand. But it's really important that, you know, we are in this world and we have to be lights to people that are going through some of the, some of the largest and biggest problems that they ever will go through now. So I want to continue to preach the great things about the gospel, preach the wonderful things about the gospel, but also... Speak about some of the problems and some of the issues that, you know, we, we face every single day of our lives. Some of the outcomes I want to make sure that we go over and some of the call to actions. You'll be able to subscribe to our newsletter. You'll be able to subscribe to our podcast. And, and when you subscribe to our newsletter, you'll get data, information, analytics on some of the things that I've been researching the past 
um, six years. You have over, I would say, over 10 years of entrepreneurship. Um, I guess you can say tenure. <laughs> uh, and I'll be going through some of those things as well with you. So I wanted to make sure that uh, as you know, after each episode, you'll get KTS, which is a key takeaway. You'll get key takeaways after every single episode. And I'll write that up and, and send it and put it together in a newsletter for you to have so it's easily digestible. So you can look back at some of the things that were either said or some of the things that were um, some of the things that the hosts were saying as well. Yo, one of the biggest things of this is to share this podcast, share the prayers, share the things that we are speaking about here, because it's very important that we continue to amplify the, the gospel, continue to preach the gospel. Some of the other things that we are going to be speaking about in our you know, call to actions and outcomes is going to be a community of new believers, Christian entrepreneurs, ministers of churches, pastors looking to become more technical. Um, we're going to be looking at new and older disciples as well. We're going to be speaking about missionaries, teachers, preachers, apostles, and prophets, and some of the Holy Spirit gifts of um, that a lot of people you know, could be using. Um, trying to use, um, being led in the right direction. I kind of really want to go over those as well. So, uh, okay, everybody. So I wanted to go over that with you. Um, and right now, what I want you to, to do now is just we're going to make a, a transition into the first episode. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. And <laughs> let's get this show on the road. God bless. New Creation in Christ. Episode 1, Series 1. So, I first wanted to start out this episode uh, taking you back a bit about my life. And I first started out as a young believer. I grew up in a Christian African-American household. Being the son of a preacher, I couldn't um, curse, <laughs> amongst other things, in the house my mom and my dad. Um, did get divorced when I was about 10 years old, and, and it was tough for me. I can say that it changed a lot of my worldview at a young age. I didn't see a father in the home, but I was raised by a lot of women and my older brother, who is now a cop. My mom did an unbelievable job as a mother, raising five kids by herself. My mother got her doctorate in, at Tuskegee, Divinity, Spirituality, and Ministry. And she got her RDN at Zoe College. My father went to Providence for three years and ended up leaving. He played basketball there all three years. And his mom didn't want him to leave, but he did anyway. <laughs> uh, but if he did not leave, he would have never met my mother, which was a blessing. He got his master's at Yale University and started an internship at a local hospital in New Jersey. My mom was there. My father got into management of hospitals and managed over $50 million dollars. Um, it's a pretty big deal. <laughs> uh, he started his own business young in his career and, and built an adult daycare centers facilities up and down the East Coast, mainly Baltimore areas and, and, and duly impoverished areas as well. My mother really wanted to do ministry for the rest of her life. She felt called to do that around the age of 30. Uh, she was married about the age of 27. She was a servant of God, servant leader. And, and, you know, when they were married and, and then they and then they got separated. I never understood at a young age, but I do now in her absence that when the Lord calls you, you don't answer. You put your whole being into what you're doing when he asks you to do it. 
We struggled as a middle class family sometimes and, and, and not all the time. I can say I was privileged enough to afford food, water, love, good schools in the suburbs. I realized at the age of 10 that my life wasn't as perfect as I thought. I played basketball my entire life. In 2012, which I, I'm going to get pretty systematic as it pertains to my life because I, you know, being a writer for as long as I have been, it seems that there has been patterns in my life. So in, in 2012, I started my own basketball training program. And I guess you can say it was my first startup in my local town. It was called IHZ, which was called Inspirational Hoops. Before that, I was doing things, uh, you know, people's houses and free most of the time. I didn't know how to start a company, but just went through it and crashed along every side. I guess this was my first introduction into <laughs> capitalism, I guess the secular world. Um, even though I didn't really know it during the next four years, I went from one to two kids a week to 10 to 20 to even more. I went from an individual training in the gym to mental and physical training on the track in the gym, body preparation. I spent hours of work of just going through a person's session and then evidently making sure that we went through a 45 to an hour a minute session. The kids really did love it. Um, I didn't know um, if I was gonna if I was doing anything good, but from the I guess you can say from what the parents said and what and how the kids did really enjoy the sessions that I felt like I was good at it. I mean, I grew up as a basketball player. I was awarded an 1,000 point score twice, um, one in college and one in high school. I was often top of my league in three-point shooting percentage, averaging over 30% from three most of the years. I grew up shooting on garbage cans. Um, now, I wouldn't say that I, I did that my entire life, but there was a point in time where me and my brother would be downstairs when it was cold and we'd be dribbling around poles and shooting it into a, an oversized garbage can. Uh, honestly, it was it was pretty wild, but that's just what you did. That's what we did for basketball. Um, I mean, me and my brother, who was older than me by seven years, and my younger sister all scored over a thousand points in high school. But I was, I guess, the one, the only one to score over a thousand points in college. So... <laughs> Uh, some of us, you know, I, I always talk about that with my brother and um, I actually, it's kind of like a one up. Even My brother's six six, so he got the one up on, on the height. And my sister's like six one and a half, so she got height too. Um, so we knew a few things about scoring. I did at least in my, in my family. We knew things about pressure and we knew things about mental preservation. All of these variables make up a why. They make up a lot of myself. Um, now, if we speak about the what and the, the how and the, you know, the, the when, those things come later. But I can't rule out the rest of my life because basketball was such a big part of it. The things that I learned and cultivated as a basketball player, the, the obsessions that I had with the sport, um, I can't rule that out of anything that I do. Now, I did try, and I'm going to speak about that too. I did try to rule out basketball, um, and that I, I believe that started in 2018, but I'm going to speak about that later. Um, when you try to take 
you know, the first love out of your life, um, there are consequences for it and repercussions. And I saw that. Um, and I'm so grateful for God's grace that he has brought it back into my life, full, full swing, um, the love of the game, to have the game around me, to be able to, you know, feel that three, <laughs> that three um, off my fingertips is, is amazing. So my programs, you know, as a trainer and a coach, I started with a group of about 11 girls um, that were about 10 years old. We traveled all over the state and town and played in very tough and competitive games. So I went from training, coaching. Um, I went from training and putting things onto paper about the individual being human to then more coaching style of girls, which Honestly, I had no idea what I was doing when I started to coach. I was a trainer and didn't even know if I was going to be good. Um, I had a lot of different coaches in my life, and I just knew the way that I didn't like to be coached. And I knew the things that I wanted to learn and the ways that I wanted to facilitate things when I was a basketball player. And I kind of wanted that for the kids that I coached. I didn't want them to say, hey, well, Michael didn't do this or Michael didn't. I didn't learn anything or I didn't learn. I didn't get better as a player. That was the number one thing that I wanted to make sure that my kids all did and knew about me and my spirit, that I was there to make them better, I was there to challenge them, that I was gonna love them with the love of the Lord, that I was gonna love them. That was one of the most important things that I wanted to, I wanted them to see. And from our awards, from our, what you what we call as Christian, our fruits, um, I bared a lot of fruit as a basketball player, uh, from the individual accolades to team accolades, things that we won, um, you know, places that we went. Uh, we went from, and I'll, and I'll speak about this more as well. Um, these girls were young and, and, and didn't know, you know, what they were capable of. We showed a lot of families and people around that we were really good. I still talk to some of them and, and love them all. Most of the girls went on to great colleges. I went from one team to two teams traveling, then grabbed more and more coaches and went to even more teams. We traveled to Canada, all over the country, and I ended up a lot of training, doing a lot of training in Italy. It was amazing that basketball could get me that far in life and truly enjoyed every last second of it. There was so much that God did for me that I never knew during that time. And you can only appreciate once you see yourself going through the rough times. As I got older, I was working through uh, telecommunication companies, working in sales, sales management, technology, learning about IOP and IOT, and all the new tech that was coming up in the pipeline. I loved training and teaching you know, at this particular point in time, and I was going through transitions. Um, you know, And this was in, think about this, in two, uh, 2012, I was speaking to you about starting the first company. 2014 is when I had my first baby boy. Christopher McNair. So that's two years, and I'm going to get back into that pattern as well. So that was two years, and I, you know, I, I realized that I, I needed. <laughs> um, I was working not just um, as a starting my own company, but I also was working in the telecommunication space as well. Um, and then 2014, I had my son. Of course, I needed to make more money at this particular point in time, and I was actually carrying my son to training, to games, to coaching. I was carrying that baby boy all over the place for the first few years of his life. 
I will never forget that. Um, there were times where <laughs> I would have him on the bench and um, I would be coaching and the parents would take him and say, we'll watch him. And <laughs> it was uh, it was pretty wild. I mean, we would have to drive around in hot, sweaty cars. And um, it was really it was really crazy. I really didn't know what I was doing as a first father, first time father. Um, and and that speaks volumes, because if I think about this in the context of my dad, um, the the you know, I, I would say the very, very important parts of years of my life, I I didn't know I didn't know who he was um, from a 10 year old, 20 year old, 30 year old. Um, really putting this into perspective, it's difficult to know someone from afar. It's almost impossible. And but but what but what has occurred in, in my and at that particular point in time in my life, I knew that there was more, that there was something that was that had continued to itch me. And I couldn't figure out what that was. So I had to find it. So that was in 2014. And um, you know, I was still I was literally, you know, driving my son everywhere and you know, we we're outside playing basketball. I'm over here so tired, trying to figure out things in my life. And and I started to make a bit more money in, in the secular world. So I went from, you know, uh, you know, my first startup to, to really just focusing on capitalism and trying to make as much money as I could in the corporate space. And, and you know, I, I thought about this as it pertains to capitalism, the secular uh, industry, corporately. There are really no excuses. They, they run like a machine. The system is made that way. Um, and that is the way the system is set up to flow, to where all the profits go upstream. And, and, I, and I get that. And that's, and that's fine for what they do. Now, we're going to speak more about this in other episodes, but I just kind of wanted to just shine a little bit of light on it now. Now, in this hindsight, I felt myself getting deeper and deeper into bad habits especially eating. Um, in high school, I never smoked. Um, I never drank in high school. I was on like the dare. And I mean, even, you know, in college, I was uh, a part of the RA. Um, there were, you know, things that we, we had to adhere by. Um, but now thinking about work, I'm out of college. I am, I'm thinking about my son. Um, I know true guidance from my father um, my mom was the individual that I leaned on. It was in- inevitable to get deeper and deeper into a trap of darkness of this world. Um, and, you know, there's a lot that continues to happen in this world that I want to make sure that I, I speak about moving from uh, the corporate secular world into the work that I am doing now. So we go from 2012 2014. Now we're in 2016, two years later. It was a tough year for me mentally, most likely one of one of the most toughest points of my life at that moment. Um, even even in basketball, my focus was always on edge performance. How could I always get a step ahead of the competition? Being an athlete, it was spending more time in the gym. Some of the ways I think mentally is a confidence meter. And I'm sure others do this as well. I would shoot thousands of shots in practice and really want to crush games. 
but this isn't a basketball game. It was it was life. I wanted to figure out how I could move over my attributes as an athlete into a secular entrepreneur. Back then, I didn't know what the actual secular industry was about. I didn't know about their agendas and means, but I did know that back then, app building was going to be important. I was starting to feel my body in more and more, and I, and I told my mom about an idea in 2016 about building an app that connected trainers and clients and building this application to help trainers because I was a trainer. I um, So I started to, to work on designs and a website and really thought it was going to be great. I use a lot of my energy to understand the markets, industry markets, marketing, you know, ways that these things could be promoted. The next step was raising money and getting the app off the ground. Now, at this moment, I started in 2016, I went through a mental breakdown. My grandmother that I found out had dementia. Now, you know, months before this, as I was going through episodes in, in, in my brain, um, I actually, you know, had an episode with my brain. And then shortly after that, I find out that my grandmother of, that I knew since I was younger, who knew my son, um, who had a great relationship with me and, and my son had dementia, this disease, you know, something that I really truly had no background on. But I, what it did was it kept me in this space. It kept me curious about how something like this could happen. Um, Now, I knew a little bit about, uh, you know, there was times when people talked about Alzheimer's and memory and all that, but it it didn't really spark anything. But when it's in your house, when dementia is in your house, it, it changes you. It truly does change you. Now, you know, think about this as it pertains to dementia and, and Alzheimer's. More so, we know a lot more about it now. But think memory loss, mental recall, lapses, brain fog, you know, as a human. It all hit me really fast. My grandmother was, was really close to my son. She ended up passing in 2016. And I didn't go to the hospital as much as I wanted to because of work. It was always work. It was always because I needed to work. I was very angry at myself for a while because I I could have made a more effort to see her. I remember like it was yesterday. I cried on that rainy day all the way home. I called my sister Rachel and it was uh, such a bad day for me. A lot of people reached out and it was difficult. We moved my grandmother in the house and I, and I got to live uh, with her and experience what basically what that was. It was shortly before that. Uh, where I actually started to study the the space was actually cognitive neuroscience. And it was only because I had, you know, fainted actually in the bathroom. That was the episode that I had on the floor months before. Um, I didn't know what I fainted from. I didn't go to the hospital. But what I did after that was I started to experiment on my own body, my own mind. Because I wanted to figure out what was wrong. Um, and And I didn't, I didn't want to... Um, I didn't want anyone to tell me what was wrong. I kind of wanted to figure it out for myself. At that moment, at that time, um, I, you know, focused on being more, I guess you can say more of an audio didactic learning. Now, I really started to buy more books, um, magazines and I started to look up everything on YouTube about brain neuroscience and you know experiments 
how we did experiments, um, you know, questions about the brain. And everywhere I went, I got more and more about, you know, we only know 1% about the brain. We only know this. We only know this. We only, we only use 10% of our brain. And that to me just wasn't right. It wasn't right in my spirit. Um, I felt like, you know, on when I was watching, people were lying. I was finding, you know, what I needed regardless of what the world was telling me. It was actually, you know, made me search harder when I could continue to see more and more scientists and people speak about how hard it is to understand the brain. Um, I felt because they kept saying all the things that needed to be explored and needed to be spoken about, I took it as a challenge. I was adapting from the mindset as an athlete into a research. That was my first true year of research, true year. But after my grandmother, I, you know, it set into motion a cascade of events that I couldn't look back from. I also felt the idea <laughs> to to help over, you know, to help 300 people in over four months. This was one of the, my first, I guess you can say, social experiments that I did. And, um, you know, my goal was to understand intentionality. What does it mean to say you are going to help 300 people to give yourself barriers like this? Not just counting giving a homeless person $1 as a person for a day, or but simply helping people through your network. Like, that is harder. I wanted to introduce other entrepreneurs. At this point, point, I was already four years in, and I wanted to understand, you know, from my people, friends that needed help, and I wanted to challenge myself. You know, I just had a death, and I'm over here challenging myself, still not giving myself time to sit and grieve. So I think about this uh, as it was as we were pertaining to years of entrepreneurship. We're in about 2017, and I decided to to help people, and um, and in this in remembrance of my grandmother, I felt that you know the study the the study went amazing. I, I learned a lot and found that when a person intentionally goes to help people and sets a goal that they can accomplish anything. I did a daily vlog on my phone and recorded events and things that I was observing through the days. Just thinking about it now actually <laughs> really blows my mind. I mean, I you know, 2012, I start my first kind of, you know, small time startup as a basketball coach. 2014, I have my son. 2016, my grandmother passes from dementia. I go through everything with her during that year. And 2000, beginning of 2017, just about, I decide to just help 300 people because it just feels right. Um, <laughs> um, and and what's interesting about this is as uh, as I've decided to, to do this in remembrance, um, I learned a lot about people. I learned a lot about intentionality. Um, and I felt the education system you know, had been lying for for a long period of time i you know i really didn't like the educational system even when i was in school um and always felt that i was you know better and that was a rebel in me you know that was me waking up you know playing basketball you know seven hours a day and and really just kind of in my own zone in my own head um i did at this moment in time if you think about it um with the death of my grandmother um I did pull farther and farther away from from Jesus. Now, I still believed in God, but I was pulling away farther away from the idea of Jesus as deity. Now, 
I am currently a master's student. And, you know, this is a paper. I did a 10-page paper on Jesus as God and um, the deity of Christ. And it's, it's very interesting how, you know, I'm not the only person that has ran up against this problem. And I know I'm not the only person that will. But, you know, this podcast and this, you know, these, these episodes will, will shine a bit more about, about this question. And, you know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of information, educational resources that are out now. But I just wanted to, to really shine a light on where I had an issue, where I had confusion, where I bumped my head up against things, was the idea of Jesus as God. Now, this also, I believe, started a cascade of spiritual war. Uh, that I did not know was going on inside of me. It's interesting how death sparks that. So I started in cognitive neuroscience and then started to to kind of follow a gamer called Demis Abbas. He was the he's the co-founder of uh, DeepMind. As I started in the research, you know, he, he was a famous re, uh, chess player. He was a gamer, um, and and I kind of wanted to be like him. Um, <laughs> I went from like you know I guess idolizing Kobe Bryant and. Uh, Michael Jordan to, you know, people like Steve Jobs and, you know, Demis Habas and these kind of, and, and one of the things that, you know, Demis Habas was in was computational neuroscience. So, and, you know, in, instead of just staying with cognitive neuroscience, I actually, you know, thinking about cognition and motivation and things that kind of get us to move, I kind of focus more on the computational neuroscience side. And uh, that's, it's a bit different than, than cognitive neuroscience. And, and what I learned was a lot of these disciplines, these industries, these, um, these sciences have taken a lot um, and implemented into our daily activity now. Now I say that they've done it and they've done it forcefully. <laughs> they've done it for profit. They've done it um, with their own agenda, which was during that time. Um, I, I wanted to understand how the brain worked from a mechanical form. I wanted to, I got deeper and deeper into wanting to understand um, the brain in that context. It wasn't just an oversight of psychology. It was functional. It was neurons. It was from an atom level. How can we understand how not just the brain, but how the mind and the spirit work from a cognitive level, from an atom level, from a nucleus level, from a string level. Now, there was a now there wasn't a thought in my mind about doing this with Christ. Um, all of this was about doing it through I, not Him. And I want to make sure I make that I make that clear. Um, when you are in this industry, it is difficult. Now it was it was difficult for me. I'm not going to speak for anybody else, but it was difficult for me to understand Jesus as God. It was hard for me to understand and and to clearly put in that context while I'm doing research on you know some really really deep science, but also artificial intelligence. Once I'll go over um, when you go down that funnel that spiral, you start to pull away from things that are spiritual. And that was me. Um, and, and and I'm going to get more into this in more episodes and, and, and speak to people 
um, in the industry, speak to more and more people um, <clears throat> that possibly have had these, you know, problems or solutions. And, and maybe, you know, you that are listening, maybe you've had them too. Or maybe you haven't, or maybe you know someone that has. Um, but there are sides in in life. And, you know, some of those sides people pick, some of them people are forced into, um, you know, some of them uh, that you know, we see clearly, some of them we don't see clearly. Um, and we and there's a lot of this that's spoken in scripture. And, and right now, uh, I want to kind of move more to me in the secular world and some of the things that I did. Uh, now, I, in 2016, I actually went to the one of the biggest secular events, which was the Forbes event. Um, I met the creme de la creme there. Basically, some sharks, <laughs> some good people, but some sharks. I ended up not using good discernment and getting involved with a quote-unquote VC, which was was not right. Um, and and I didn't know what I was doing. I ended up losing about twenty thousand dollars with a partner of mine. It was a bad news, bad relationship, and it, I ended up actually sending him an email, and I ended it. I ended it, the relationship by just, you know, saying that I forgive him, and I'll never forget that. Um, it was my fault. All of it was on me um, and my discernment, and um, I had to end the email that way. Now, shortly after, you know, I started a podcast. I wanted to understand entrepreneurs, you know, from learning a bit about the brain, cognitive neuroscience, computational neuroscience, taking this into my podcast series called Empower. I wanted to understand entrepreneurs from a neuronal level. I wanted to understand on the surface what kind of moved them, what inspired them, what motivated them, what got them to do what they did every single day of their life. Um, now, I was looking at this, looking at this idea, doing all of this, right? Kind of just one thing on top of another, really, truly not grieving from my grandmother still. Um, I started to move more into VR. As soon as I, my, I found out about my grandmother's, you know, death, I started to study, just research on uh, cognitive neuroscience and computational neuroscience. And those I was like thinking, okay, all right, we got observation, interpretation, application. Application could be on our phones or application could be on our head mount displays as well. So, you know, think about this, right? You lose that amount of money. Um, the next day, you know, my co-founder at the time was like, hey, um, <laughs> I'm out of this. <laughs> uh, and then after that day, I literally jumped right into the next idea that I, I, I wanted to do. And, and my my push was not building an app anymore. It was more so about virtual reality. Um, now, I fell in love with VR. Um, and I started out, you know, to build out concepts around a VR headset that focused on training in the home. And this was back in 2017. I started out with a model VR headset. I was working on, you know, um, uh, programs like Maya. My plan was to go to Shenzhen, China to get it actually made. Um, I did a lot of research about Shenzhen and, you know, Shenzhen was called the uh, Silicon Valley of, of China. And, and, you know, they had some of the most, you know, fastest technology builders out there. I really wanted to go there. It was either Shenzhen or Silicon Valley. 
after I got back um, from that event, um, I was actually starting to you know, f- focus more on virtual reality, which was, we, we, we called it Moxie VR. And then we moved from Moxie VR to Moxie reality because I wanted to focus on all of the realities, which I'm actually going to speak about in context later on. Um, in the podcast, um, I actually ended up interviewing a bunch of entrepreneurs that were all across industry. So I got everything from solar to um, to actually yogi. We call them yogis. Um, I real estate moguls, um, you know, carbon emissions uh, educators, people from MIT, people that have raised you know millions and millions of dollars were all on my podcast. And some of those are actually still um, up. Um, I'll put a link in the description box for you. Um, and I'll make sure I share that with you as well in some of the links. Um, now, the Lord, I, I, I see looking at all of this, the Lord put all of this into perspective for me. And he put it all in perspective because of the fact that um, it was his grace, it was his love. He kept me where he wanted to keep me until it was time for me to leave. Now, understand that it, that happens to us at times. And it's to show his glory. It's to show the grace of God. Now, you know, moving from, you know, listening to, so think about this, right? 2012, I'm going to continue to do this. 2012, start the first startup company. 2014, my baby boy. 2016, my grand, my grandmother, I, I go into a deep depressive state, you know, and I don't even know it. Like I'm, 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 I feel like I felt like I was deteriorating inside, and, I, and and no one could notice. No one knows because I'm continuing to move forward because there's something else in me that's moving me forward. 2017, I end up, um, I end up, you know, getting. Uh, we end up transitioning from applications to virtual reality now. Um, and I end up uh, a big part of the 2017 was the hackathon, the MIT hackathon. Now, mainly this was to me was was a really big part of my life. Um, I'm coming off of depressive symptoms. Don't even know it. Um, not even acting like it. Uh, the death of my grandmother from dementia, being in the house with her. Um, you know, I had, you know, business. I had no business actually going to this event, but I did. Uh, there was something that kept pulling me. Uh, the, the hackathon taught me a few things. The corporate secular companies use these events to get cheap help to, <laughs> for, for, from, from great talented developers, engineers, and idea-making people. That's plain and simple. It's the easiest way to, to basically get free, to get free help. The writing is on the wall, and it, and it pertains to that, as you know, a lot of many, uh, many people will agree with me. So for those that don't know, hackathon is, is not in some basement to where it's, it's dimly lit, room with engineers hacking away and, and you know people throwing things at them uh, a company presents a product a code an issue a prototype that has been they've been working on behind the scenes or in front and they give it to engineers etc business idea people um and they and they apply a very very big event these corporate companies back these big events um and it's basically uh people can come in from all walks of life they can set up teams strategize a team and, and try to make the best possible uh, solution for that particular 
whether it be uh, products, uh, question, anything that the corporate company wants. Now, at this event, they give people literally soylent, pizza, water. Um, <laughs> and, you know, a lot of my friends, some of my you know engineer friends, technical friends would, would really agree with me on this. Gamer friends. Um, now, you know, some people like this, you know, it's, it's cool. You know, it's a kind of new event. You know, people get you, you get all people from walks of life and. Now, um, <clears throat> now I realized back then and, and thought, wow, you know, what a great way to get free work done. And, and then you must, you know, sign releases and, and patents so that people, you, you know, for your, you people can't use your code or, you know, you can't, you know, there's certain events that you can't speak about things because the products are, are, are tightly lit behind patents and legal, legal issues. So now I'm at MIT's hackathon and I wanted to know more. Um, at this time, I, I wanted to get more into VR and a friend recommended me to, to go and enroll. And I'm, I'm like, wow, this is MIT. This is a big time. Right. Uh, so I really didn't know if I should go. I was pretty nervous, um, but I actually ended up applying and actually ended up getting in, which was great. Um, and then, you know, I, I, I'm thinking about this event um, and how it cascaded just so many different things. I ended up winning. We ended up winning as a team. Uh, Hover VR, I believe it was called. Uh, I believe the, some of the videos could still be on YouTube. Um, but we ended up winning Best Vive at the event. Um, I was, I loved my team. It was so amazing. They were so amazing. We did such a great job and we had such a great um, feel for each other. That was the first, I guess you can say, kind of like full on team since my you know uh basketball you know team and it showed me that you know these skills are transferable they move um just think about it you know back when i was younger i was passing to a person that would shoot the ball or passing to someone who would pass it or grab a rebound and and then i then coached people that then you know did the same thing and then now i am you know, staying up until 2 a.m. at MIT, trying to figure out code and building a, a tool to help elderly patients rehabilitate and virtual reality. That is what we built. And I had no idea what I was doing. We had no idea what we were doing. We had about three days, 72 hours in order to finish this particular idea. Um, we had about, it was about five 700 people, 52 teams, I believe it was. Um, it was called Reality Hack, uh, to be exact, I believe, and MIT in Boston. Now, it's interesting because Boston, uh, my, my father grew up in Boston. And um, Boston was a place where I went a few, few different times before I ended up heading out to San Francisco, which I will speak about. Um, a person that I met at this event back in 2017 would be a helper to getting me to San Francisco. And we met at the event and we almost didn't meet, but we did. It was from the grace of God that we did meet. Now, um, she was at the particular point in time of my life, she was a, a clear senior at what she did. She was a senior developer, engineer, um, designer, artist, and she was amazing. And she helped me during a very crucial time in my life, a very crucial time in 
the life that um, I, you know, I, I that I really didn't know much about. She basically accelerated my learning capacity um, tenfold, and she did that by speaking. She did that by teaching. She did that by trusting me, and that is something that I will never forget for her. She knows exactly who she is. Um, now, at this event, one thing it did show me was that, you know, VR was a bit farther off than I expected and I actually wanted to get more into AR, which I'm going to speak about all these R's in, in conjunction a little bit later. Um, but, you know, these are, are things that I want to make sure that you guys know, acronyms, and, um, and I'm going to speak a bit more about it. So... We win, the MIT, we win the MIT hackathon and um, we start to focus more. I start to change things from like, you know, Moxie Reality, the projects that we've been working on. And this was like the, you know, second, third project that I'm working on right now in the same exact kind of year. And, um, you know, the AR project that I started to move to more towards was Unicorn AR. Unicorn AR, um, you know, the idea for Moxie VR started in 2017 after I fully was moving away from basketball and I explained to my mom that I wanted to do more things that didn't include my actual physical body. I wanted to focus more on my mind. I wanted to focus more on strengthening my mind, strengthening the things that I use subconsciously in basketball. Um, everyone knew me for my body, for my, for my basketball skill, for the things that I did physically, but I really wanted to, to really express my mind, really express the things that were you know, um, in me. And, and that's a different, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a different function. Uh, a lot of us, a lot of us feel that, um, you know, we can get trapped in, in being called one thing. Um, and, and that is true. Uh, but you know, I, you know, at, at this particular point in time, you know, I could have been content, but I wasn't, there was still something in me that I was chasing. Now, um, Thinking about this, moving more towards 2017, um, where I met this individual and, you know, she kind of laid on my heart going towards the end of 2017 to, instead of moving to LA, to move to San Francisco. I would have not moved to San Francisco if it wasn't for her. My idea, my plane ticket was to move to LA. And if it wasn't for her, she changed my course. She's, she, she changed my course with her with her voice just by simply saying that I should move to SF. I thought about it. I researched a little bit um, and then I jumped. And in 2018, I call this the crash. <laughs> After we won the event, um, I, I literally uh, uh, ended up, you know, understanding that New York was not the place for me. I ended up going to artificial intelligence events and uh, and that was just like kind of in the beginning. I, I went from uh, learning a bit about VR, then, then understanding AR, augmented reality. And when you start to get into augmented reality, you start to learn that, you know, augmented reality is powered by AI, which is artificial intelligence. Now we're into deep, deep tech and science. New York is not like that. New York is not, was not the, the, the place that I wanted to be for that. Um, now, as a researcher in cognitive neuroscience at the time and, and technologist, um, you know, I really didn't even start in the beginning of just coding. I was actually more drawn to the application. We think about this in hermeneutics as observation, interpretation, and application. 
Um, now, uh, that's in my class. Now, I, I think about this as it pertains in the beginning, but it, it was more important to know what the supposed purpose or outcome can be before building a product, service, or tool. But that hasn't always been the case. We live in a society that has just has the ability to build something but lacks the ability to understand who or what it will affect. I figured out many applications in New York, but was subject to understanding a better ability to observe and interpret those applications, which is actually, you know, if you think about that, it, it is the hermeneutical process. Observation, interpretation, and application. For those that don't know uh, what biblical hermeneutics is, it is the art and science of interpreting the Bible. Um, something my uncle has taught, um, who is also, she, he, he's a theologian um, as well. And um, now I, I take this particular process into just kind of interpreting my life and, you know, putting things into, into perspective. It helps me. Um, but the crash in 2018, I call it the crash um, because you know, I really didn't have much money going out to San Francisco. I was going out there on a whim. Um, and I knew that I, I needed to know, I know that I needed in my heart to go. Um, you know, the technology that was being spoken there, the research that was done at Stanford, UC Berkeley, and these other places, I knew that the minds were there. I myself and all my flaws felt that it was a place to go because I wanted to learn more about science, math, technology, building programs, systems, and more. Um, and January 9th, 2018 is when I did that. Um, and this thing about as soon as I land, we, me and me and my friend, we go to CES and, you know, at this point in time, I went to one of the largest trade shows on the planet. Um, and I'm walking around this from a small town. Um, I don't know, you know, why, you know, uh, she was able to do this for me, but she just did it out of the grace of her heart. She offered me an office in San Francisco. Um, she offered me a, a, a place to, to lay my head. Um, I actually sold my vibes in order to go. I really didn't have many clothes at the point in time of going to the, to the uh, Vegas for the CES event. And she introduced, she introduced me to just about everybody there. Um, as an industry leader, thought leader, she, uh, she did a lot for me. Now, uh, technically, we can look at these uh, components of AR, MR, XR, VR. VR is an immersive experience. Augmented reality is, an, uh, is, is, is not an immersive experience. You can have, you can do AR experiences on your cell phone. MR is mixed reality, and XR is extended reality, to where you are doing things more, you know, fully immersed with volumetric feedback, haptic feedback, um, more control analog. Um, you know, augmented reality is more, you know, you can think of AR as Snapchat, you know, small filters, but now we're getting more into digital overlays onto the eyes, optics. Um, now, uh, these are all different types of technologies, which now the industry has wrapped more into XR to one particular industry because it's all becoming one. Before, these were all separate and that's what unicorn AR was about, um, which I get into. Now, <clears throat> um, I think about this as it pertains to augmented reality. I loved spaces. I loved 
um, digital spaces. I love the idea of digital overlays. I liked the idea because of what the industry said what it could do. That was it. I only liked the idea because an idea was planted inside of me to believe. And I believed it. That's why I stayed in it. So I loved how closely this field was to the user, which is interesting. My purpose of knowledge was, you know, has been for care, cognitively, computationally, inspirationally, the human spirit. The idea of being able to move someone or inspire someone has been the, the whole basis of my existence, I think about. Why? Um, I don't know yet, really. <laughs> uh, but I, And I still have a lot to learn about this. If, if we look at this you know, first series in context, we can understand that each part of my life after school was focused on inspiration of the human body, flesh and mind, spirit, soul. In 2018, I wanted to understand this further. And, and we get into that with some of the projects that I worked on in San Francisco. The first project that I, I really focused on in this section was um, I, I went to countless events uh, about privacy, problems with the industries, and VR and AR. I was interested in bringing my social minds to this matter. How could I help the industry with the things that I've learned? Um, if, if, we, if we are creating products and services that are shown through a device, which is a cell phone, or an HMD, which is a head-mounted display, which is a head-up display, um, alleviating the stress of putting your head down, how should it function if we're trying to do it socially for everyone? What are the engineering components that go into building an application or an experience? Now, I use these words interchangeably because a device, which is a cell phone, we call, HMD, which is a head mount display, an app or experience. These are things that the industry uses as well. Um, all of them are interchangeable. When we speak about experience, we're dealing with a device on a cell phone, but in VR, that is an on the uh, that that actually is an uh, an immersive experience, which is on the headset. That is different in context. When we speak about um, say an AR experience, we think about okay, all right, I'm building an AR app experience because we're moving away from just apps and moving more into people experiencing life. Um, and this was my thought pattern, my thought process in these industries. Um, now, I'm living in SF and I'm, I'm jumping from couch to couch. Uh, I think about this as a, as a founder. Um, you know, I didn't have to really do that in New York, but in San Francisco, it's a whole new ballgame. It's a whole new world. Um, the behavior that I exhibited in San Francisco during that time as a founder in the secular world was completely and utterly accepted. And I wanted to make sure I put that out there because some of the behavior that I was able to get away with you know, staying up 10 to 15 hours a day on projects and researching, um, utilizing apps like couch surfing. I use my survival techniques to stay alive. And no one can tell me I wasn't desperately, I wasn't desperate to stay in SF because I was. In the moment, I couldn't see the scent of my actions because I had no choices of, I had, I had to make choices of eating a meal or taking a BART ride. I had to make choices and pray at times that the conductor from the cow train didn't come back around because if he did, I'd be kicked off the train. The usual person doesn't go through this because in their mind, these are novelties to a human living on the planet. Not necessarily to, this, to the secular community. This behavior is accepted, encouraged, and promoted. 
The VCs in this space almost drool over ideas that have Genesis stories of this type of behavior. If you don't have a story that is somewhat like this, or worse, or troubling, then they really look down upon you or don't look at you at all. Because they need that story. They want that story. They need to understand where you came from. The secular community was my worldview for many years. I can even somehow say that it was, you know, it kind of started in, in, in IHZ. I listened to motivational speakers, business professionals that I wanted to share how hard they had it, how hard they, they, they were pushing and persevering through. I listened to them all the time. I never knew why or some of the, 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 the certain things that, you know, they went through other than what they said. Does that make it truth? I don't know. But what I do know is it was a part of their story. Going to countless events, learning and the most and, and learning from some of the most innovative people in the industry that were, you know, that people watch all over the country. Projects networking with all of them. Um it, it, it made me want to stay even longer in San Francisco. It made San Francisco even brighter. I'm sure you know some of the, the names of the influential people that we see on big stages, like, you know, the founder of Uber, you know, Elon Musk, and, and a lot of other people that have these stories of perseverance and persevering through. Now, that was my worldview. Now, I, every everyone has their their own worldview because of the way that their life is projected. Their perceptions, the things that they believe in are all changed by their worldview. But what people, I guess, sometimes tend to forget is that your worldview can change. It can change depending upon what state you're at. At that particular moment in time, I was at that state in my life. Now, it would be up to me and up to God in order to change that state and evidently possibly change my life. From 2018 to 2019, um, you know, it was hectic. Um, Networking events, I was meeting 50 people, 100 people. Networking events, I was, you know, I'm talking University Avenue. I'm talking everything that you can say as as a secular founder, um, that happened up and down occurred. Um, and I take a deep breath because, uh, you know, going into this section, speaking about this section always kind of brings me back into this spirit of, uh, transformation that occurred during, you know, this to the end of 2018 going into 2019, Um, And I want to start this off by saying, you know, in Romans, you know, Paul says, be not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind. You know, how could Paul know at that level of detail that transformation comes by renewing of one's mind? That if we are conformed in this world, consumed possibly eaten, almost eaten in this world as a Christian, that it sometimes takes that in order to transform and to build something new. Once the mind is renewed and continuing to be renewed daily, we move away from the conformity of this world 
In hindsight, we don't go back to the way of living. Now, there were many people in this life during this time that I met along the way. They were there to be people and there to meet along the way, to show glimpses of light during the transformation. Some might knew some might have knew that, you know, and others, you know, might have might have not knew. But the Lord, you know, uses people through and through in situations for the glory of God. And, you know, um, back in 2017, I can say even starting back in 2012, um, even, you know, before I was born, the Lord knew that I was going to go through all of this. Now, my will, what we call free will, could have changed things. But at the end of the day, it happened the way that the Lord wanted it to. Now, um, during this time frame, I actually started my podcast back up. So I was even meeting even more people. <laughs> um, I'm on my, I'm doing my podcast. I'm, I'm going to people's offices. I'm, I'm having my, I'm having it in my own office as well. And I'm doing all of these secular events um, at that time, building up a, a reputation for artificial intelligence uh, in the Bay, which was great. It was good. I mean, I, I'm. Um, I really enjoy speaking on, you know, my thoughts, topics um, all over, actually, you know, par- parts of parts of this country. I, I spoke at different events. And um, one of the things that I, I, I started to to get and understand was, uh, you know, from the projects that I was working on was that there was a lot of issues, social issues um, in the AR, you know, XR um, AI space that just weren't being addressed. And I, I kind of, uh, besides, you know, you know, the absence of God in the space, which, um, that was, that's a part of their worldview. Um, it was an absence of, you know, social, social issues, um, as well. And, uh, I think about this in the project, in the Unicorn AR project, we started to build a bit of a prototype, which was an experience on a cell phone, an edge device that gave small instructions to users and small overlays on top of the environments. I was actually working with about four different people. At this point in time, I wanted to understand more about people who had um, you know, this problem of networking. When I say uh, problem, I mean this in the essence of anxiety of meeting people and the best way to network and navigate at, this, at, at events. By this time, you know, we're, we're in the late 2018s and I already attended over, you know, 50 events and um, I felt like I was a pro networking from, you know, 2012. This is six years later. I've already persevered, you know, persevered <laughs> through death. Um, and I'm just like, you know, I understand how it, I, I know how to network. I understand how critical it is to network. I know how to connect. I know how to communicate ideas. And I just felt like it was something, and especially after the 300 you know, people, I was, I felt like I had a pretty good wrap around it. And there was this social issue that I kind of wanted, I, my heart was, 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 was tugging on. Um, now where I focused was actually people with autism. Um, I started to, uh, you know, research a bit about autism and now uh, this was plugging back into things that I understood about dementia and, um, you know, cognitive issues and, and functions. And, and then, uh, one of the things that I I did start was that there are several different levels of autism. And, um, on this project, we were focusing on the higher level of functioning, like those that are socially, um, 
you know, it's very, it's very difficult for them to understand social cues. Um, for instance, you know, I interviewed some people and, and spoke to them about their experiences networking and connecting with people at events. I heard a lot of people speak that, you know, they, they, they know that they need to do it. They know they need to reach out. And this is not just networking for a job or networking to connect and to, to build uh, consensus of ideas. But we see that networking now is extremely important. You know, I was doing this four years ago, starting, um, I did it, you know, over 10 years ago, really, truly networking, um, connecting, building a relationship. Uh, But in doing this and where I am now, I learned a lot about what I was doing that was wrong. Um, I I learned all of the, the past 10 years, I learned all of the ways to not connect, basically. I learned all the ways to, 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 to not discern, um, which, which showed, it showed in loss of money, it showed in, 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 in depressive states that I was in, it showed in, in, in just kind of going away from what I was truly and utterly really good at. Um, and, and at this particular moment, I, I, I knew that there was this problem that I wanted to solve and I wanted to solve it with technology. And the only way that I knew how to do that was go back into my research, kind of bag, uh, uh, research, 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 connect, interview, data, data, data. Um, I was getting more and more data hungry and data driven in 2018, 2019 space. I was, it was just more and more. I continued to build up. Um, I heard a lot of you know people speak um, about this issue, and uh, I felt that you know augmented reality was uh, was a helper in this space. So this is where I actually kind of learned about AR cloud. I, I learned about point cloud data. I learned about occlusion, which in augmented reality, um, just to break those down for you, AR cloud is a technology that enables the unification of physical and digital worlds to create immersive experiences. Um, this technology actually uses a common interface like a cell phone or uh, HMD uh, to deliver persistent and collaborative and contextual digital content overlaid into people's objects and locations. So if you think about this in a, in a world sense, um, you have a cell phone that basically can tell your location, longitude to latitude, um, an AR cloud, point cloud. You can walk into a room. You can, uh, you know, basically you can walk in and uh, spatially map that room. And now you have a second digital overlay of that room. Um, Point cloud data can stay in that room or you can take that and you could take that model somewhere else. Um, And now being in that room, you can now, uh, you can say uh, one of the words to use, you can can manipulate some of the objects or or put objects in that room um, that can only be seen through whether it be the, the, the experience that you've coded on top of it or um, those things. So like all of those things are possible in the room, um, but you can also do that outside of the room too. And there was a lot of issues, technical issues that, are, that deal with AR cloud and that deal with augmented reality that the big tech companies are, are continuing to solve right now. Um, I haven't fully been in the uh, AR space in, in a little bit of time now, but uh, I know where to, I know where to look <laughs> if I need to find anything. Um, now point cloud data, uh, 
uh, point cloud data is a set of, you know, I talked about this a little bit, uh, point cloud data is a set of data points in space. The points represent a 3D shape or object. Each point has a set of X, Y, and Z axes um, and coordinates. Point clouds are generally produced by 3D scanners. Are um, now Nowadays, you can even do it with your cell phone. Um, you know, Google had a device, a LiDAR cameras, that they were able to do this as well. I mean, if you look at it on the, on the surface, it's pretty cool. It's fascinating. Um, it's, uh, it's, some of the, it's some of the most hardest technical work you can think about doing. Um, and then occlusion. Occlusion is just, you know, being able to um, look over objects outside or behind them. So this is a part of an issue that a lot of uh, companies had, you know, problems with. Uh, I remember when I was doing research, 60 was a company, I believe they might have been bought by Apple already. Um, you know, there was a company that, you know, there are other companies that were tr trying to figure out these issues that had really good, um, you know, technology to build these things out. Um, so, so that is, I kind of wanted to go over that for some of the, the listeners. Um, and, and then I wanted to, to put this data point in here, um, was Gartner predicts that in 2025, 15% of organizations with more than $1 billion in revenue will use AR cloud. Now, just think about that. We're four years away from 2025. I don't know if this if this data point is clear. Uh, I just Googled this. So um, if we think about this in the essence of you know the AR cloud um, and augmented reality XR, um, that's a really big number. 15% um, of organizations, which organizations are there that have $1 billion in revenue? I mean, there's only, if we think about this in the, in the context of the United States or the, the world, uh, how many organizations bring in $1 billion in revenue? And I just explained to you what um, AR could, can do. Some of just the small details. If you do want to know, know a little bit more about this, um, you, you, can, you can look it up or you can ask me. But I kind of wanted to just talk about this slowly, just about the space that I was in and um, some of the things that I've already spoken about. Now, some of the things that are, not some of the things, but, you know, all of these experiences in augmented reality XR are powered by AI. Because, you know, um, and I'm going to get into that as well. Um, some of the old work, some of the insights that I've looked up, some of the research that I've looked up has all been, you know, in, in this particular space for years now. Um, the more that I thought about where the world was going, actually, you know, the less I thought about the world around me. Now, I say that because it was true. The less I thought about the present, the more I thought about the future. This point is uh, crucial in, in this topic, in, in this series, and in episodes, in future episodes, I'm going to share with you more about this. But in science, you know, we have what, what is called HNNs which are, are considered here and now neurons. Uh, they make us appreciate. They, there are neurons in our brains that give us the ability to appreciate the things that are now with us. That's the function. That's a, that's a, a part of the what. Um, now, it gives us the ability to relax, enjoy the world that is here and now. Now, there is also dopamine. Dopamine, which only cares cares about the future, um, it, it it really does look towards the future in the essence of 
what is it that I can build? What is it that's, you know, behind issues? Doesn't always, you know, look out for what's best for the person. Now, I think about this in the essence of just my life. Um, I think about this in the essence of, you know, in the secular in the secular industry, wanting to chase uh, the billion dollar company. That's what I came out to San Francisco for, was to build a billion dollar business, millions of dollars business. That's what I I, I wanted because that's what I saw, that's what I idolized, that's who I started to become, and. Um, I, I think about that um, in the essence of projections of dates, predictions, like I just told you, far out times of things that just continue to be pushed, pushed out farther and farther, like carrots. <laughs> um, I, I think about it as that level of thinking can be detrimental to the health of people because it's what it can do is. It can take the spirit from you when you do not receive what you get. It's almost worse when you set out for a goal, you don't receive that goal, you don't get that goal. It's 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 a lot. It crushes the system that's inside of you. It crushes part of the system that you're trying to function off of. Now, as a Christian, I, I am indwelled with the Holy Spirit, and um, you know, I, I think about this in the essence of you know the Bible and, and the things that I learn, the things that I have learned, and you know, it would be it wouldn't be right to give my spirit to anything other than God and my Lord Jesus Christ. I was always chasing the latest and greatest technology, and it was great on one side, and I cra- and I crafted research topics and ideas and structures for each industry. Think about this app development, um, you know, the, I, you know, just uh, thinking about things in my mind. Uh, 2012 training, you know, uh, 2017 uh, VR applications, app development, 2016. Cognitive computational neuroscience, 2018 AR, VR, MR, 2018, 2019 AR, AI, 2019 computational neuroscience, AI, 2019 health and wellness, AI, fitness, emotion, gut microbiome, all of these things I've touched in some instance, some facet. Um, and I'm going to actually get into just a couple of more um, because this is, uh, as, I, as I continue to, to, to get to some of the, um, the, the, the ladder of, of my industry work, um, we get deeper and deeper into uh, the tech. We get deeper and deeper into the spirit of things. Now, each one, each one of those things I chased. And I spent, you know, countless hours thinking about trying, pushing, crashing, learning, building, discovering more about the external and internal world, crafted a worldview that was ever changing from my daily perspective. Every hour, every minute, my perspective changed. 
When I say pers- perspective, I mean it in the essence of my perception changed. Things about me changed. My language changed. My thoughts changed. My ideals changed. It isn't just the amount of projects that I worked on, but it was the way in which I learned. It wasn't just the school environment or university. It was archaic. It was nomad. It was a lifestyle like that. Now, um, you know, thinking about the next project, some of the other projects that I worked on, and some of them, you know, I've, I've, I've talked about here and some research I talked about. One of the other ones was Cody.ai. Um, now, Cody was an LSTM neural network pre-trained uh, using Glove World embeddings. Um, it was, you know, some of the back-end work was, you know, SQL or uh, Python as well. Some people are going to know on here. It was trained off of about a billion words. Um, and was my, my focus here was actually, you know, moving from augmented reality to more just a project in AI was, okay, um, there's this problem with sexual harassment and language. And this was, you know, me moving towards more of the, you know, we're, we're getting closer to like the issues that were going on during that time at Google, YouTube, like, you know, privacy. Remember I was telling you that there, you know, I was going to all these events and I was seeing this crash happen kind of in front of my eyes. Um, and, and I wanted to, I wanted to solve the problem. So what did I do? Um, I thought about how this could, how something like this could help. Um, and I remember meeting a person at Startup Grind um, in the Bay, and I wanted to work more in, in AI because I wanted to be, uh, I wanted to be more in front of things. I wanted to be um, kind of behind the scenes, but I wanted to, you know, thinking about it in the context of the brain and the mind. You can't see your brain, can you? But it runs everything. You can't physically see it, but it runs everything. Language, thoughts, problems, issues, solutions. Um, so I think about this as it pertains to one of, you know, one of my one of my deep projects in artificial intelligence. Uh, this is where I started out to learn how to, you know, collect data, how to clean data, how to, you know, what I learned the ins and outs of data. It was just fascinating the things that some of these industries knew and how they knew how to get it. Um, and the fact that, you know, this industry gets as much attention as it does, there's some, you know, pretty, you know, key reasons. Uh, I would say that in the essence of industry, um, one thing that it, it does garner is control. And control is in the essence of, okay, if I have more data than you, then I'm better than you. I have, you know, if I have more data than you, or I have a better way to collect data, then my valuation of my company is higher. And if we look at that, it's like a ping pong, kind of like stock market, kind of like going up and down, kind of like a game, interesting uh, about, but um, it's, it's moving, it moves you more in the essence of, you have to find out more intricate ways and possibly more invasive ways of getting data. And then when you get that data, you then have the ability to um, talk about a story about how you got it, <laughs> which is interesting to people uh, because now you don't just have just conventional way of, um, of learning about the data or, or possibly utilizing it in your product or your solution, but now you have an um, story behind it. 
which you know makes you know angels or people that are you know people that are looking to give you money it makes it just more more interesting for you to tell the world um now if you think about this in the essence of just ai every device that moves on our devices now are garnered by some form of artificial intelligence there are a lot of different words and language that is used when it comes to ai um, you know, if we look at this in the, just a Wikipedia way, this refers to the simulation of human intelligence and machines that are programmed to think like humans and mimic their actions. The term may also be applied to any machine that exhibits traits associated with the human mind, such as learning and problem solving. Um, there are different ways to look at simulated intelligence, which is an alternative for AI, with which uh, what that does is empathize uh, emphasizes the, the, the intelligence of machines needed to not to be an imitation or in any way artificial. It could be in a genuine form of intelligence. That was proposed by uh, um, an analog with, think about this in, in, in the essence of simulated diamonds or synthetic diamonds. Only the synthetic diamond is truly a diamond. Synthetic means that which is produced by synthesis Combining parts to form a whole, a man-made version of that which has arisen naturally as defined as synthetic intelligence would therefore be a man-made, but not a simulation. So these are just some industry, some industry uh, definitions for some of the things that I was researching. Um, and, and then tools and solutions that I've been in. Um, I always want to make my audience, my audience clear on things that I say. And if you have any questions about it, please, um, you know, send me an email. I'm going to give you all that information soon. We're almost done. Um, but this is some of the industry language. Uh, now there are different forms of language that has been used across the industry, just like any other technology. Um, but the amount of money, power, influence, countries, and more that are um, influenced by this particular technology, if it is not used for good, both socially, ethically, morally, spiritually, are not used to develop for the good, it will be the easiest and most deadliest of all technologies next to the atom bomb. If we offset our spirits to only depend on this technology, I warn against the conformity of this technology and how it will consume us because we will use less of our spirits. We will use less of our souls. Just like people in this world, if I think about it, as a Christian and a believer in Christ, this is a statement that needs to be understood and controlled but by people that use it for good and not manipulation. Not trying to mimic our God or just trying to play God. When you conform your entire spirit and soul to this technology, you give up what God gave you, which is the Holy Spirit. And it can slowly dwindle on you in front of your eyes. Again, there are a lot of different people companies, corporations, good, uh, that are doing amazing work with this technology. But then there are a lot of uh, 
companies, technologies, and people that are doing very evil things as well. Now, um, there are, I, I think about, uh, I, I spoke at an uh, event in Michigan, one of the last events that I, I was able to talk to my mom about. It was in Michigan. Um, and I went and I spoke on uh, the panel there where they had HP was the um, the moderator. It was called Unconscious Bias in, our, in AI. And uh, at this event, I was able to, I was excited to go. It was probably one of the bigger events that I've been to. And I was able to explain my thoughts on artificial intelligence, uh, some of the things that I was working on in industry and where it was headed. I simply explained that there was so much human fallacy built into the programs now. It's obvious, but not just fallacy of humans and bias, but there's, you know, I was speaking about at that particular moment, there was diverse, uh, diversity of thoughts in the space as well. You know, who um, are, are why we're building the technology, you know, how many people it will impact, different people, different cultures, poor and rich. Um, is this tool to be keep to keep people safe in their social channels? Or can it be used as a tool to get people out of poverty? You know, why do I say that? Because, I mean, you know, there are kids and adults that make less than $5 a day that have a cell phone. Most of this planet has a cell phone, but, but how is it that a third of this planet, you know, doesn't even have electricity? We have a very powerful device in our hands. We have powerful tools, but our thinking has been more about building more tools and less thinking about the why and the who it's for. From a data perspective, you need a fresh you know, stream of data for a program to work efficiently. And, and the way that this, to use this is to even, you know, even a few years ago, uh, looking at gathering data, I talked to you about how I got, you know, I got to understand, you know, the way that data was ingested or, um, you know, programs that were used to clean data, languages that were used to, 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 to capture data. Um, for example, you know, you look at Cody, you know, we, we were able to gather language data from founders, teams, um, we were able to extract it from different platforms that they use, different platforms that they used in order to find out more data, um, find out more language that founders, teams used to talk to their, um, their team. So we started out by collecting some of this data that was self-generated in real time for SMB organizations. Um, and, and, and this is some of the ways that powered our, our, our AI. Um, and in our program, so you know these are these are programs that 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 help the process. There there are a lot of programs that do labeling. Um, there are you know pipes, stops, flows. If I think about this, there are, there there must be a clear ingest of data and reliable form of data, which is to be whether it be clicks, persons on a person's website, or even keystrokes from a person's computer, <clears throat> longitude and latitude with a person's phone. You know, just speaking from um a, you know uh into a phone um categorizing data as well is possible um I, I spoke about a lot of this already in the essence of ai and some of the issues that that, that we do have and, and and just offsetting all of our capabilities to this particular technology but when i was in it i knew that as well but I, it still didn't it didn't click in my mind um about how far that could go. 
Now, the work that I did and the research that I did for Cody was strenuous. What 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 we started to do was um, I actually brought an EEG into our office and um, I put it on to people, onto founders, um, you know, founders' heads into another room and started to send them messages. I wanted to see which parts of their brain, you know, utilizing brainwave data, which parts of their brain actually lit up if I sent them an indelicate message or sent them a message that they could possibly get from a coworker. Uh, because a lot of what I was studying was stress-related issues, cognition and founders, you know, attention uh, and founders. I wanted to find out um, if I got a text message that was disturbing, how much did that take away from what I was doing? Um, it, this ties all the way back to 2012. We're in you know, 2018 going into 2019 right now, early 2019, and I'm still off the foundation wanting to understand from an entrepreneurial standpoint about what made people move, what distracted them, what made them better as humans, as spirits. Now, uh, this is this is what I was doing, thinking about signals, receivers, and communication collection. There's no different when it comes to other you know scientific research. When it comes to assignments that I that I saw, um, I've I've read hundreds and and yeah hundreds and hundreds and hundreds uh, of papers, um, and I, I looked through and, and saw and was able to establish some of the views in academia about ways that people were able to categorize data models that they were building. And I stopped this project when we were at a, at a heightened period in the Valley. There was a lot of issues around sexual harassment, racial issues, and more happening around me. I remember getting in contact and speaking to a Fortune 100 company and um, I found out a lot of the processes that they had in the workplace and a lot of issues in the workplace. And I kind of stopped doing this project when I figured that I didn't know if they really wanted to solve the problem. Um, I don't know if they really wanted to do that. Um, and and that's why I was like, you know what? I think this is this is it. Um, I knew that it was a good it was a good run. I did a lot of good research, but I I didn't want to work on something that wasn't you know easily measurable from impact. Now, at this time, you know, working on this project, remember, 2012, company started, 2014, my son, 2016, my grandmother, 2018, move out to San Francisco, the crash, 2018. <laughs> um, and now we are in 2019, in the beginning, and... Uh, I was living in the secular world, and in March 2017, I'm sorry, March two, uh, 17th, 2019, um, it, this is where the Lord slowed me down. I found out on that day um, that my mother uh, had breast cancer, and again, feeling what I had to feel. Um, was was disheartening. It was tough. 
it was some of the most it was the most difficult part of my life. Um, now, since that day, I found out my spirit was changing and mind. My entire worldview built up this subconscious of information that I knew about the world that I thought I had this worldview, this just when I had my finger on it, like, yes, I understand. Finally, boom, this happens. Um, I started to, uh, you know, get into uh, once once I was in March, it just started to just crumble on top of me. Um, I put things off. I, I, I moved from I was working on project after project and I moved even from this from from this project and and at Cody to to moving for another project that I was working on that was more focused on um, um, uh, nutrition, uh, collecting, detecting and analyzing data for foods. And me and the co- me and my co-founder at that time, we were we were together, you know, but I was also working on other things as well. You know, we were kind of like in tandem from working on different projects. And at this moment in time, too, like in the middle of this, I was also working on a quantum entanglement project as well, um, which I did. I did a lot of research in quantum computing, a lot of research in quantum entanglement, um, more so just kind of just building up an understanding of what quantum was. Um, and then I started to work on a hands-on project in quantum. I interviewed an individual in quantum um, where I was just like really just fascinated more so about it. Um, and it was it went from just being curious to more like, OK, um, you know, working on a project. Then I was like, OK, all right, this is interesting. But going through all of this, I'm dealing with my mom flying back and forth from New York to San Francisco. And I'm still thinking about work. The entire time. Um, and and this is where um, the world and by yourself can get you to a point of crushing you. Crushing you with the weight of expectation, with the weight of clarity, with confusion. If you do not have God um, at this point in time, uh, I understood what drugs did to you. And you know, at this point in time in, in San Francisco, um, I, you know, I was smoking marijuana and um you know, doing, you know, starting to do these drugs uh, really took me down a, um, a different path because I didn't want to feel, I didn't want to feel the issues with my mom and everyone that knows me knows, you know, I would have laughed at you if I would have said that, you know, I'd be smoking marijuana, um, because I was never like that, um, ever. I was the kid that laughed at you if, you know, if I even thought about doing that in high school. I, I kind of looked down upon people that did do them, never understood why. Um, and now being on the other side of that, um, dependent on a drug because it, it didn't make me feel the world around me was where I was at. 
And um, it took me into, you know, places spiritually, emotionally, physically that were very much uh, a very foreign place uh, because um, I had no understanding of this world. Some people that were around me, they had better insight than I did, but I was just kind of a free flowing person that didn't know. And I was doing it more because of the situation with my mother. Um, you know, one thing that, you know, uh, marijuana, you know, did was slow me down or gave a perception of slowing down. Um, because of what was going on with my mom. And uh, I, I didn't understand at, at moments of my life about what that was doing to, my, to me, my family. And um, even at this time, I was still working on projects. Um, this, this machine learning project we were working on, um, we were working on it for over eight months and then you know we kind of became official um, in 2020, my mom passed away in 2019, and I won't get too much into that. I have a lot on the internet about the conversation and the, 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 the perseverance of my mom and everything that I went through. I won't speak that much on this episode about it. You'll hear more and more sparks of it, the story, throughout episodes, but I don't want to speak about it that much on this episode. Um, but, you know, she was... We found out in March, she passed in October. And then again, the two year mark, January, 2020, COVID-19 happens. During this period of time, I worked on two projects. One of them was machine learning and the other one was in quantum. I had the burial of my mother. I had the releasing of my mother, finding out that she had breast cancer. And all of this happens three months after we're now into the worst pandemic in a hundred years. That was six months after the moment. 2020, two year mark. We look at 2012, 2014, 2016, 2018, and now 2020. We have one of the biggest racial outcries that we've ever experienced as a society. The small description that I just I just described to you, external and internal turmoil, just puts into perspective the internal state that I was going through. Once again, the same feeling back in 2016 with my grandmother. I couldn't even grieve. I had no time to grieve. But in all of this, God really started to show himself to me. During these times, I... I also worked on a project. Even at this time, I was working a project for in quantum for months. I worked on these projects in, in tandem from, you know, 2019. And and what just to break down a little bit about quantum entanglement, it's a physical phenomenon that occurs when a pair of our group of particles is, is generated, or interact, or share a spatial proximity in a way such that the quantum state of each particle of the pair or group cannot be described independently of the state of the others, including when the particles are together. Now, 
another description from, and I'm giving you these descriptions just clearly just to make sure that you can go and look them up yourself. Uh, another description is quantum entanglement is a name given to special connection between pairs or groups of quantum systems or any objects described by quantum mechanics. You can look at that. I've already broken down artificial intelligence for you. And I've already broken down quantum for you. Just These are just small. Um, and, and I wanted to go over those, those particular technologies because those to me were some of the deepest that I've, I've gone in the essence of research. And um, going through 2019 and having to deal with the death of my mother, who um, was a doctor, uh, of a theologian, a reverend for f- close to 40 years, um, her background speaks on its own uh, and, and, which, and her accolades and, and the, the things that she's done in prayer and in ministry. I want to circle all of this back to just how good the Lord has been to me. Even during this time, I, you know, I kept on moving forward because I didn't know, because I was afraid, because I was scared, because there was something inside of me that kept pushing me forward. I find out that my mother has breast cancer and I'm going through all of these changes physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually and I'm still trying to write my book like like what's going on in my mind I was trying to finish a book and I I asked my mom to write the um the forward to my book um, on her, basically on her, um, kind of like on her, it's terrible to say, but just in the midst of her, you know, her transformation, her, 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 her death. Um, she wrote her forward, my forward, for a book that I'm not even going to publish. Um, so, you know, we're coming to the closing of my um, first series, New Creation in Christ. And I want to kind of pull things back. Um, when this happened with my mother, I started to get flashbacks of my grandmother. Hearing the screens and the pain that I went through hearing that cry that I cried, the cries and the tears that I shed for my mother were 10x, 100x. Um, I was in more of a depressive state. My alcohol, I I increased a bit of my alcohol, Um, questioning life, questioning God. You know, but at this point in time, I, I did, I was a little bit more spiritually inclined and in tune than I was back in 2016 um, because I had my mother there for a bit. But I wasn't stable, mentally stable, emotionally stable. Um, now, I was 3,000 miles away when I heard my mother had breast cancer and it changed my life forever. 
I don't wish that on anybody. That's a prize. During this time, I even started to write a children's book for my son. Um, back in 2019, it was called The Energy Within, which now, which a lot of people do know, um, I'm turning it into a Christian animation series. But that started in pain. It started when I had um, a very unstable state of mind. We think during this 2019 period, I was still working on projects of machine learning, simulated intelligence, and quantum. Um, even during this time, I was writing a book. October 2019, we buried my mother. I go into a depressive state that was just, that was, you know, probably the biggest battle, spiritual battle, physical battle that I've ever been through in my entire life. I was angry, resentful, determined, though. Um, I wanted to figure out truth. And lo and behold, um, we know what we know what happened. Um, you know, after that depressive state, drugs did increase. Um, coming from a person that never did drugs before when I was younger, or never would even think of it. I mean, I was completely against it. I would laugh. It was a person that was seeking it out, trying to find a way to stop feeling things. Um, and that, for me, is what drugs did. It allowed me to stop feeling. But with God and with Jesus Christ, we are taught to love. We are taught to feel and to have the protection, the mind of Christ. Now, I felt in my heart a similar, um, you know, pain after my mom. There was a, a social research project that I did and collection of data for the, the AI and machine learning uh, startup that I was working on. So I, what I did was I followed over 20 participants um, for over four months and collected all food, medicine, liquids, times which food was consumed, types of food and emotional fasting states to help people understand and increase their cognitive states. Uh, this started, you know, a month maybe after my mom was buried. A month of grieving. Two months of grieving. And I was back at it. Why? Yeah, I'm pretty sure you guys are going to ask that question. <clears throat> things that we were able to categorize was blood type, blood work, food sensitivity, BMI, um, and, you know, basing it off of, you know, variables um, of people, you know. Uh, this program was extremely complex of a framework, and, um, you know, doing this after my mom and in the midst of COVID, it was, it really did, you know, help look at, okay, how can I help the people of color? How can I help people that are going through these problems, these healthcare issues during this time, and how could this particular tool help them? I still not was not healed. I was trying my best to help others. All of this was happening, and I still didn't get over my mom's death. Still, um, there was COVID, and, and I'm not able to grieve 
my attention was put more onto other people because naturally I'm a servicer. Look at my 2012. You look at my life growing up. I always ran into problems when I always went for self. That's where I always ran into problems. Doing things because I thought that it would benefit myself. Now, intrinsically, I've always wanted to teach people based off of views and help and experience. It even ties back to my first company. When a problem comes up and my reaction is to help others at the fault of my own security, at the fault of my own heart, at the fault of my own health and wellness, I naturally would just do it. Um, I've done this in relationships with others, and I've even done it in relationship with Christ. Putting off my relationship with him to help others. Now we move to 2020, and I mean, you know, the beginning of the year, most of you know where that was, know what happened. January, um, basically January 7th, 2000, uh, we go through, um, I went through so many different changes in, in 2020, and I made it back to Oakland, um, finally, May 16th, 2020, and and it really was a spiritual journey for, for the entire time. I will unravel more stories on the on on later episodes, and and what I wanted to go through during this process, I wanted some of my listeners to observe, interpret, and apply or not apply some of my past mistakes. I wanted you to know and understand who you were listening to. That's why this episode, this first series and this first episode is as raw as it is. When you listen to later episodes and, and where I have hosts and I have other uh, conversations, other data insights that I'm going to give you, you can have something to refer back to of the person you're speaking to. This podcast is about, um, this This one especially is about um, a new creation in Christ and how working in and through with the Holy Spirit can lead us into all truth. Just like scripture says. But it's hard to understand the people we speak to because we meet them at where they are now. And not where they have been. The series is about speaking with people that have been newly saved or just received Christ in 2020 and forward. I've been a believer of God and Christ for some time but not like 2020 and committing my whole life and being to God and Jesus Christ. My language will cross from research, data mind to spiritual, supernatural mind and being, being indwelled with the Holy Spirit. I want people to get a full view that what I say is to be looked at in that way. Over five and a half years of doing research, over 10 years of experience since my first startup, countless crashing into things because of being blinded by the little G, God, of this world, it will do some things to you. But I believe God makes what the enemy uses for bad and turns it into great. Not just good, but great. Now, my focus 
in my master's program that I'm currently in right now is uh, I, I'm working on creative projects. Um, I, like I mentioned a, a couple minutes ago that my Christian animation that focuses on darkness and light, which is for my son, Christopher, um, it really does focus on his relationship with Christ and, and mine and, and some of the experiences and things that we go through as Christians, but it's more so along the lines of an animation film. Um, I thank you for being with me for this long. I mean, we're at about an hour and 55 minutes, hour and, you know, 45 minutes right now. And, um, this is a very long episode and, and I just thank you if you listen to it all. Wow. God bless you. (laughs) Um, so on the way out, I I just want to just close and I want to pray for those that have listened right now. And, And Lord, I just thank you for everyone that has continued to listen to this episode and just bless them, Father God, for the love and the grace that you've given them in their life. Allow my words to be either warnings or, um, you know, uh, allow them to apply what I've said or interpret what I said or observe what I said and the experiences that I've been through, Lord Jesus. Bless them in what they are going through right now, whether it be health, whether it be Um, financial issues, Lord God. Bless them now. Answer them and their dreams and their prayers. Minister to them, Lord Jesus, and send them the helper, the comforter of the Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Lord, for all that you are doing for them in their life. I will continue now uh, moving forward, um, finishing up and just saying that um, Thank you for all that you've given me in this episode. Uh, what I also want to say is that just please find this episode in, in series on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Uh, coming up later on next week, we're going to have a, we'll be hosting a um, discipleship leader. I'm going to be putting up more about her um, background and view and, and later on in, some, in, in a newsletter and some updates on our Instagram on our Facebook, and some of our other platforms and channels as well. I want to thank you, Lord, for giving me this time. I thank everybody. Thank you. Amen.